Greetings, friends. We thank you so much for tuning into The Spiritual Frequency, a podcast about magic, metaphysics, and mysticism in the modern world. I am one of your co-hosts, Dana Jean Walter of Sonic Priestess Camp Athena and the She Shed here in the lovely area of St. Paul, Minnesota, and my beautiful co-host, Miss Tangi Cassidy of Grown Ass Witch and many other marvelous things. And we're here to talk to you today about some stuffs. What do we got on the docket today, guys? Oh my God, guys. So I would say our uh, theme for today's episode is creating your own reality. We're going to talk about glamour as armor, soulmates and soul pods, and uh, one of my personal favorite topics, quantum-based consciousness. <laughs> so uh, buckle up, kids. Shit's about to get real weird. Please keep your hands inside the ride of the spiritual frequency. We cannot be responsible for any lost or stolen items. <laughs> Just a disclaimer. Thanks, lawyers. We're going on a trip. We're going All on right. a trip. So first things first, we're talking about, um, just before we were getting started, we went on a little tear on self-care, working with Aphrodite, and how we present ourselves. Right. I think we should maybe call this segment, uh, shit we're thinking about right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oops, I think that's going to be right on the meter. So, <laughs> I, think <that> was. <laughs> um, I have been, uh, I think, self-victimizing myself with glamour magic here lately, but I think to a good end. So we were kind of having a talk about how as women, although this is not gender specific, um, how as women it is sort of ingrained in us that we need to go out into the world and be armored up and protected. And in our culture, particularly here in the West, glamour is armor. Mm -hmm. Beauty is a weapon. And it's something that I've had to get comfortable with. It's been a long time since I uh, have looked in a mirror and was like, damn, girl, you're fine. And there has been a change in my perspective over the last couple of weeks. And I am just hoping to infect my beloved <clears throat> as well. And I am struggling because having been a performer for most of my life and being on stage, there's, mm -hmm. of course, a certain amount of glamour, role play, facadeness that you do. Right, because you're vulnerable. Because you, well, it's, you know, I haven't, I don't really have a problem with really being vulnerable on stage, especially, but when I'm playing a character, um, because you're, you're putting on a costume, you're putting on a layer of uh, uh, trying to help create a, fantasy experience whether it's mm -hmm. through music or theater or uh dance or what have you there people are paying a, a fee usually to come see whatever you're doing with whoever you're doing it with and there's a certain agreement that's done between everybody that there's going to be an entertaining aspect to this right now if it's soul moving and i usually like to do weird things or very powerfully moving things and uh, even when we're doing, like, you know, Tanji and I have done lots of ritual magic performance ritual together where there's an element of theater about everything, which means pancake makeup and, you know, eyeliner and oh, yeah. lipstick and things that you have to have. I just always feel as a six foot five fat diva, I'm very drag queened up and I'm not a drag queen. And there are lots of queens out there, bless y'all, and kings that are rocking like, I could never wear that much makeup on my face to shift my whole bone structure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, it's fierce as fuck. Um, but I just, I, it's just not what I usually do. I think it's important, though, to get into a place where 
like when our lives get busy and hectic and stressful, um, it feels like the first thing to go for me is self-care. And the first thing that I'm really willing to let go of for the sake of saving some time is putting on makeup and doing my hair because it takes a a long time. But I feel like, yeah, but aren't you worth it? I mean, isn't it worth it to take 30 minutes to sit down and slap on some eyeliner and comb your hair and maybe put on some lipstick so that you go out into the world with your war paint on, ready to do battle and just declare to the universe, I'm here, let's go. And when I go out without it on, I honestly don't feel as fierce and powerful. There's something about a good red lip that can change everything. You know, I totally agree because if it's the one feature on my face that I love the most, it's I have fantastic lips. And I, you know, I used to have 80,000 billion colors of, of lipstick. But for me, there's a certain rebellion that I've been doing for a long time. My mom... I still wear my makeup a lot of the ways I watched my mom do it when she had to do it, but she, as a rule, is not a makeup-y kind of woman. So there's a certain amount of, like I said, this uh, maverickness where I say, fuck you, establishment, I'm not going to paint myself up because I don't need to do that to be fierce. And usually that's why I was always like, I only really wear makeup when I'm on stage. Partly because we have to deal with lights and there's just a reality of I don't want to look like uh, I have jaundice or something, you know. <laughs> um, I guess part of it is that perspective of are you doing it for you or are you doing it for other people or are you doing it? I totally get the like shoring it up. And maybe it's because I'm overcoming this, you know, cancer sickness where I lost a bunch of my hair, not from chemo or anything like that, thank goddess, but because my iron was non-existent. So my body just said, you're not going to grow any more hair. Like you are more than your hair. You're more I than your know lips. that. You're, like... But it's just hard. It's hard because there was what was and then there what there's what is what right now. You know, throw on a cool hat and a little lip gloss and, and get on with it. I There's beauty in everyone. There's something absolutely breathtakingly beautiful in everyone. And I'm one of those people like I don't gravitate towards what is like classically considered handsome or beautiful. Like I gravitate towards people who have character. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like a crooked nose. I like a, a gap between the teeth. I, I like a, you know, a, a, a mole somewhere because those are the things that make us who we are, you know, and if you can walk through the world with what the rest of the world is telling you is an imperfection and embrace it as like one of the most beautiful things about you. I, I think that's glamour. Yeah. And I. I myself am trying to get myself back into what is joyful about what I love about fierce makeup or what I love about a good lipstick. What I, I mean, I was in fashion for a very long time in plus size fashion and I have lost my maven edge when it comes to some of that. I try to keep a little bit of it. So I'd, I'd like to get some of that back because it's a reclaiming of power mm-hmm. for me. Um, my dad was a hat person and I'm a hat person. So having funky hats and doing cool shit with my hair and, and you know, putting on my, uh, you know, talismanic jewelry, I used to, that, that was like a whole thing. When I wore pigtails, look the fuck out because <laughs> I am going to mess with you. Oh my God. I remember when I first really started to explore makeup, it was a long time ago, I'm about to date myself. I'm going to just put it out here. I'm a woman over 40 and it's fine. Um, there was a makeup artist called Kevin Aucoin 
who was uh, producing these beautiful like coffee table books full of makeup transformations. And it was some of the most magical, I'm gonna say he definitely was doing glamor magic. And it was some of the, the most amazing transformations I'd ever seen and it made, made me look at makeup in a different way. It wasn't just like something that I threw on my face because that was what the expectation was. It was like, oh, this is an opportunity for me to express myself, for me to let other people see what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have a weird dysmorphia where I know what my soul looks like. And sometimes my meat suit does not translate that as efficiently as I would like for it to. So I throw some makeup on so that other people can see what I know is underneath there. Like I've had friends sit across from me and look at me and tell me like, in the course of this last 20 minutes that we've been having this conversation, you've worn three different faces. And that's magic. And that's something that I want to be able to share in the world. So I'm just going to put this out here shamelessly. If you are a beauty guru and you are doing beauty videos and stuff, could you please do some content for women over the age of 40 who are bigger than a size 14? Because some of us would like some guidance, like the tools and the techniques and the makeup that are available. It wasn't stuff that we had when we were learning. So we're having to learn all over again. And I would just appreciate some guidance from some of you men and women and uh, human individuals who are doing amazing work, but try to remember that not all of us are 24 and a size four. I would just, I would love just a little bit more content for a diverse, yeah, different skin tones, different eye shapes, different um, dealing with like different skin textures and like so much changes when you hit middle age with the way your, hormones, your skin and hormone. Yeah. yeah. Like we just, we, we would just love to see some more of that content. And if it means like I have to figure it out myself and start filming some hideous videos of myself without makeup on to share that information, then that's what I'm going to do. But I didn't set out on this journey to do YouTube videos of makeup. I, I wanted to do magic. And if glamour is my magic right now, then I'm going to share that. Yeah, and I, you know, I've been looking at a lot of pictures of me from 10, 15 years ago, and um, I want some of that back. And some of that, well, most of that really included the choices I made in what I was wearing and wearing makeup or not, or slightly enhancing natural features as opposed to like smacking it on with a trowel kind of a thing. Um, I can't because I migraine so much that and I sweat right out my face as having been, you know, in athletic and athletic events most of my life. That's just what my body does. So finding makeup that stays on my face without it being clown grease paint, which I've actually had to use at fest, it's, you know, I'm, I have a bad reaction to it. So I have to be careful. Um, but I, and that, and my jewelry armor, like I miss right, that right. It's soup and it's all packed up right now. And we're, I'm still di- wanting to discover it and rework some stuff, but yeah, you've got to get that magic, those magic yeah. talismans out and, uh, just like proceed with like pick up where you left off. Yeah. Like I, like I pushed pause. I don't know when or why other than, you know, most likely depression or, or life or what have you, or because I've always worked in a creative field, whether it be retail or whatever. So it, well, when I worked for the craft 
big box store when they switched us over to black and khaki at Ugh. work. And as a designer, that was hell. If there were ever is a, if there is a hell, which I don't necessarily prescribe to myself, but if I were to be in it, I would be forced to wear fucking black and khaki anything. Because uh, to me, that's just like a way to tell our alien overlords, like, here's where the food is. It's wearing black and khaki. There's your snacks. Yeah. Like, it's a mixed nut bowl. You guys, like, <laughs> like, like khaki pants are the... Burn them! Burn them all. I, I literally Ugh. did. I had the skirts <laughs> and everything, and I set those bastards on fire. I did keep the black shirts because I can paint in them. But I was just like, fuck that nonsense. And And quite honestly... When that, because of my the nature of my job, forced me into this kind of banalness, I, it just like took the fire right out of me. So that was a, that was part of it. Yeah, I think what we're thinking this week is um, stop hiding your light, turn it back on, set that button on eleven, and uh, go out, go forth and conquer, claim. and go get some dang funky lipstick just to start. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm just gonna get some. Like blue, fierce. I like really dark, crazy ass colors that people go, oh, harsh. And I love it. I just want, you know, like midnight blue lipstick. (laughs) Well, I think I'm going to like continue to like throw down, throw down the gauntlet with our uh, friends out in the uh, ether. And that's this. Like if we have inspired you to do some self-care and to take some extra time loving yourself up whether it's throwing on some lipstick or deciding yeah i think i'm actually gonna wear a dress for the first time in five years or i'm gonna take some time to exfoliate my damn face and take a you know bath and do some you know self-pleasuring and don't send us pictures of that Um, (laughs) (laughs) but you know like it's just all these little things that we think need to take a lot of time but it honestly is 20 minutes yeah and 20 minutes is one less episode of something you can watch on Netflix to give to yourself at least three times a week. Yeah. Homework this week is to carve out an hour out of your week to do some self-care. And I'm, I'm going to add on to that challenge for those who want extra credit because there's those A++ personalities out there and I totally get you. Feel ya. Bumps. Um, go back through pictures of your life to a time where you felt that you had your, like you were that in a bag of chips. And even if you're a person who's like, I've never felt that way, there's been at least one moment where even just for a second, you were like, all my shit is in order and I am amazing. And take a look at what that was. And can you grab an element of that and pull it forward into the now and incorporate that as a foundational piece as to this you know, self-care regime and getting your mojo back on. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're struggling, especially if you're in the dark place, like one, you are not alone. All right. You can hold my hand. I'm there too. Two, if you're in the dark place, the fastest way out is to look in the mirror and remind yourself that you're here for a purpose and that there is something about you that is special and beautiful and magical. And then put on some damn chapstick and get moving forward. We're out of time for resting upon our laurels. Yep, and that's the thing that really struck me when I was looking at these pictures. I'm like, you know, I need to have all of my resources at my fingertips because the challenges that are coming upon us 
as humans, as individuals collectively is going to be such that if you don't have all of your tools accessible, you it's it can be the difference between making or not making it. When I talk to my ladies when we're at Camp Athena and I, and I talk about the economy of motion, if you are wasting your energy when you're bringing your sword around uh, in, from one cut to another and you you fitter away energy here and there, you're, you don't move your legs efficiently or you go right, you know, move up and down, how much fractal energy in a fractional measurable amount are you wasting so that if a killing blow comes into you, you do not have the juice to deflect it if you've fittered it away with a lack of economy of motion. And this is kind of the same thing. And, you know, if you don't have all the tools in your back, which sometimes is just a tube of red damn lipstick, <laughs> right? Yep. Viva the Viva lipstick, lipstick revolution. revolution. Coco Chanel. Okay, <laughs> right? If you don't have the ability to block that killing blow, whatever it is, because you've been inefficient, then you're, it's the difference between life and death sometimes. Well, and guys, here's here's the reality situation. The commander, a good commander, the commander on the winning side does not go out onto the battlefield pissing down their leg, all right? They go out onto the battlefield with their fight face on and they are ready and they know that they are in their most powerful, powerful form of themselves. And that's where we need to be. That's what it's gonna take to survive. Just a real quick add to that, that's a literal war paint experience that Tangi and I have experienced. When we had a uh, our first photo shoot for the Idacy, which we called the black shoot because we were all in blacks with one, each person could pick one power color that they could bring into their portraiture. We did group shots and we were in the Cold Spring, which is a prehistoric spring that has been a meeting place for all the way back to the Paleolithic time of, of indigenous cultures coming together. And then they put a fort there. And then, I mean, there's all this stuff that's been happening there for a long, long time. And we were at this powerful spring mm -hmm. doing photo shoot in the woods and things. And it was also the day that sirens were going off all over Minneapolis because North Minneapolis got hit by that horrible tornadoes yep. thing that came through and wiped out a bunch of stuff, which is very rare for here. Except for also the day you guys got married. But that's a whole other show. <laughs> um, so we one of the things that I had the ladies do is after we had been doing the portraiture and we were doing another part of our shoot, and it was raining and misting a bit, so we had lost a little bit of our glamour. Yeah. And we were kind of like a little bit like... We looked like we had been through it a little bit. We, were, we looked like we had been it. Anyway, I don't know what I just said there. <laughs> but it was a bit, I was a bit anyway, we... I had a bag of my runes. And I had each of the ladies meditate and pull a rune. And then I, as the general, had some uh, body paint. We had war paint. We yes. had war paint. And then I painted that. I asked them, where do you want this on your body that's photographable? And each of them picked where they were going to have it. And then I war painted with my fingers. Very rudimentary. These runes on their body. And then we did close-up pictures of all of this war paint, some people had it on their face, they had it on their neck, they had it on their arm, they had it on their breast. They And then we took these pictures so they each had their runic war paint picture. And then four of us went out after the shoot to Baker Square <laughs> to get pancakes. And the cook told us that day, uh, we're not making any more pancakes today. And I had the waitress go into the kitchen and say, you tell that cook to come out here and face this woman of four women with war paint on their face and tell them they don't get to have pancakes. 
Glamour. <laughs> End of story. Ta-da! Pancakes were had. No humans were murdered. I even have pictures of that, and it was brilliant. But it's, it's you know, this glamour magic is real. It's happening, you guys. Spring has sprung, you know? So um, get out there and uh, shake a tail feather. Yep. It's time. So glamour magic. So uh, love any feedback. If you want to sh- share your experiences, you can send that to spiritual frequency hosts. That's plural hosts, like in holy angelic hosts at <laughs> gmail.com. <laughs> So um, go ahead and share your experiences about your war paint um, glamour magic experiment. Yeah, we're super excited to hear hear about it. Okay, guys. So quick 90 degree turn. Yay! We're talking about creating your own reality. So that makes sense. You're going to put on your glamour magic because uh, what you believe is what is real, right? Right. If you want to turn the boat, you got to apply effort. So we're going to talk today about one of my favorite things um, because it happens in my life and it's always wonderfully disturbing when it does. Uh, That's when you run into one of your soulmates. You guys ever have this happen? And soulmates being a super triggery word. Yeah. So maybe we we should get down to that. Let's first talk about definition as from our perspective. Well, okay. So... The way that we think about soulmates is uh, courtesy of uh, one of those ancient old Greek dudes, Plato. Um, And Plato got his concept about soulmates actually from um, uh, Aristophanes. Boy, I can't even say it. (laughs) Um, From uh, sort of a comedic playwright of his time who wrote this story about how Zeus encountered this um, duo like of conjoined giant hermaphrodites like you do right (laughs) so you have conjoined giants who are hermaphrodites and zeus encounters them and you know for whatever reason zeus decides to be a dick and he severs their connection and um flings them asunder and they spend their entire lives looking for one another to be reconnected now mind you this was a comedy I don't, I don't know why this is funny. Um, but so Plato came up with this idea, like when a soul is torn asunder, it will naturally seek out its mate, which is where we get the idea of soulmates. Unfortunately, like we tend to do, we have made this into something much smaller. And we meaning in the West or just humans in general? I think humans in general. Okay. We've made it into something much smaller than what it actually is. And I, like soulmates is not necessarily about a romantic connection. It's about something bigger than that. It's about addressing what I think is the plague of the 21st century, which is loneliness. Mm. And loneliness to me is not about being alone. It's not like, like I'm sitting in a room alone and it's not about not having a partner, um, not having a romantic connection. Loneliness for me, like the horrible thing about loneliness is feeling like you're a fucking alien and nobody understands you. And it's that yearning for somebody to get you, to have a profound connection with somebody who gets you. It's not that they complete you. It's not that they come into your life and everything is perfect. It's that there's perfect understanding and acceptance. And I was just um, telling Tangie when she got here today about a interesting thing that synchronistically fell in front of my face. Uh, that is really a tragic thing that's happening. Um, it was this was 
in Japan, but it's it's also prevalent in the United Kingdom and um, the U.S. and parts of South Korea and probably a lot more places, but especially in this modern age, yep. which is this concept that they, they call this classification of society um, hikikomori, which is means to pull inward or to be constrained or and 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 what it translates to is also acute social um withdrawal and a lot of young men from high school age up are there's over half a million of them i think they were talking about in tokyo alone and wow. then it's also afflicting a lot of middle-aged men, mm-hmm. to, again, in the like half to a million plus, where they're still living at home, they're isolated, they don't come out of their room, they play video games and television, and they are become a lot more nocturnal, and they uh, do not interface with people. They a lot of times are violent, sometimes upon their parents' personage, when they try to be shifted from what they're doing. And that it's just becoming this epidemic of disconnect. Right. And in this country, we call them incels. Yeah. Um, And so we're talking about the same sort of socially isolated, frustrated, lonely people. And it's not necessarily just men. Women do this too. It's just that for whatever reason, the focus falls upon men because there tends to be violence um, and that's just because you guys testosterone, right? Um, oh, it builds up. And if you don't off gas it, just like women have the same problem. Like if you're not like bonding with people and I mean, I get being like a solo person, like, <clears throat> excuse me, you and I talk about this all the time because you can go days and days and days without talking to anybody and be perfectly fine. Yep. <laughs> um, and you, you're like, oh, I should probably call someone and tell them I'm alive. Whereas, you know, like like our friend Lynn and I, like we are social, external, ex- extroverted creatures. If I don't have contact with people in like at least a 18 hour period, I start to get twitchy. Yeah. You know, I can't handle the, the solitude. Well, you know, full disclosure, I mean, I'm introverted, but I'm not alone. You guys, <laughs> right? I mean, we've talked about about you know my my haunted life and me being a haunted person. Like, I'm very rarely alone. I don't I don't know what that feeling is like to not have other energy present. Um, but I don't necessarily need other people in meat suits around me all the time. Mm-hmm. So, whereas I am incredibly gregarious that way, and it's it's. I mean, I can do without it if I have to, and there are times where I do it on purpose. But I also have recognized, full disclosure for myself, I really have a hard time with silence. Mm. I have a really hard time with just like the nothingness. That would also be like, here I am. This is my hell. I'm in a nothingness wearing black and khaki. That was just like, that would be me. Floating in the vacuum of space in a black and khaki. Somebody please bring me some more clothes. With a hello, my name is name tag. Yes. Oh, heaven forbid. With a bunch of people going, where's the bathroom? (laughs) And then I explain it to them and they still look at me and go, where's the bathroom? Um, <laughs> that is my hell. Uh, so, so it was just really tragic to hear, you know, this piece about something we know that's been happening, but that it, you know, here it is, it is a, a normative thing that is starting to happen, which to mm-hmm. me is frightening and sad because I know I've been blessed to travel 
with a conscious knowledge of coming across many people that I know are part of my soul pod family, that they are my soulmates and that we are on a mission and we have a task to achieve mm-hmm. and assist each other in doing so in this life walk together. And then there are also those people that come and go. They'll come for a while and then they'll go off on a, a different trajectory because the mission has shifted or your contract has ended. And my hope part is learning how to navigate that and knowing is this a we're having a seventh and eighth grade moment or <laughs> uh, is this because our soul contract is done and they are now on new mission? Well, I'm kind of at a point with like when I meet people who are part of my soul pod, my soulmates, um, I know them because they're helping me or I'm helping them level up spiritually. Like they show up at a time or I show up at a time when one or the other of us needs some help breaking through something. Mm-hmm. Like there's a crisis, there's a barrier. There's an ending that one or of uh, the other of us is like having real difficulty negotiating or letting go. Like that tends to be when they show up in my life. And like maybe we should talk about like what it's like maybe what the recognition is like. Like I don't want to say the symptoms, but like the signs. Well, like for example, I was at a funeral of some beloved's uh, family member yesterday and I got to the pleasure of finally meeting the the soul matey beloved of a person I've known since she was before she was an embryo. Um, and she's part of my soul pod. Like I, I knew her mother and father are, and she was when she was born. And now this boy man that she's with, who's incredibly talented. And he started festival as a newbie just before we, I left. And guys, we should, if you're not from Minnesota, and oh, you're sorry. listening to us, when we say Fest and Festival, we are talking about the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, which is an institution here in the state of Minnesota, just like our state fair. Right. And not only is it an institution, but the conversation that I had with Neil yesterday about it is the, the type of people that find themselves drawn to things like the Renaissance festivals around the country or the world or like a Cirque du Soleil like situation mm-hmm. where they're performing. And and when we're talking about creatives coming to, I have this theory that Renaissance festivals particularly purpose is to create a nexus point and a crossroads for people to meet up at I think and we're, soul pods to come together. I, th- I think it's just another like we're circus folk. Correct. Right. <laughs> yeah, we are those people. We're fun. We are T capital T H O S E those people. Those people. And we were talking about how um as performers, as artisans, as patrons uh, that are all coming together creating magic, looking for magic, coming to to find the 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 talismans that they need to mm-hmm. exist and do and and birth and death. Uh, because I said that that show brought me the most a- acutely divine gifts that I have in my life, as it well as it shredded my soul asunder in the most painful ways I can ever tell you in the in the time that I was with it and and outside of it. Well, and that's that's the thing that I wanted to talk to you about is I know you're gonna love this when I say this. I know when I am in proximity of one of my soulmates because there is an energy that goes on that is not unlike the quickening from the Highlander. 
Mega B, only our pod. <laughs> only our pod. I am drawn to you like an electromagnetic mm-hmm. thing. And everything around me hums and crackles with energy. That's how I knew when I met you. Zoom. We are going to be friends. Yep. Right? And, and that's how I knew also, like, uh, I had had some of those experiences prior to my 19-year-old experience there. But I did not know what it was. Mm. And it and I still have some of those people in my life from, like, high school and, and grade school and such. But this was bigger. It was bigger. And then I became able to recognize it. Because even when I worked in retail or I worked in the craft industry or the, the floral industry, like, you just knew when that snap, crackle, pop happened. You were like, oh, you yeah. are we you know and then uh, there were several of us in our youth where we we ended up dream sharing yeah, and then we'd come and crazy. talk and like complete each other's sentence like oh and then the goat man was there <laughs> yeah and you did this thing and we go what the fuck is happening <laughs> like and here we are you know some of us 30 years later and now like i recently reached out to one of my friends who's out of state right now and i said you need to get your ass home because it's time and he, without even missing a beat we haven't talked to each other for years he's like I know it is. I'm working on it. Yep. And I said, we'll work faster because shit's about to go down. And we always said t- 25 years ago that we all knew we were together because we were supposed to be together on some mission because some shit was going to go down at a big cosmic level. And we had to be together when it happened. Yeah. No freaking idea where that information came from other than. Mm, but you all know it. We, we totally all know right? it. That's, that's, that's the thing is the like shared thoughts shared dreams shared ideas if you like if you are somebody who happens to be disciplined enough that you like kept journals oh if you sat down and compared journals even if you hadn't spoken to each other in years and you were half a world apart you find that the same shit was happening yeah like the same events were unfolding in your lives you were seeing the same patterns you were going through the same kind of struggles like all at the same time even though you weren't talking even though you weren't together somehow there was some energetic thing that was teaching you all the same lessons so that you had what you needed at the same time. It's so bizarre. And and you know what's really tragic is, well, put a pin in the tragic. I'll come back to it in a second because I just recalled. Because even those of us that we've had that feeling with that have crossed over mm-hmm. out of their meat suit, it's... And as much as we can grieve for our beloveds not being here, so we can't hug them and feel them, but we also know that they're fine, um, in you know intuitively. But also, we know because part of their job in holding their their role in the team was to be working from the other side. Yep. And so they're still a part of the team. They're just working from a different perspective on our behalf. So you can't even really be mad at them because you're like, well, shit. I guess you had to level up to hold and do that job yeah to do this thing yeah yeah there's somebody on the other side for me who routinely sends me pennies from heaven when i need them the most yep and it's always connected to that person Mm -hmm. it's always directly connected to them they have been gone for years and somehow they're still supporting the mission right and so the tragic part is we talk about this as a shared experience as an individual experience and yet when i interact with people in my travels and in my you know, experiences walking through the world, this is not common. 
I think it is and it isn't. I think maybe it is in that people don't know how to recognize the signs. That's a possibility. Mm. But also people are cutting themselves off yeah. from this kind of conductivity. And it's it blows. Let's just tell them, let's just be real people. It fucking sucks. So it, we got to stop that if we want to make it. Why would you obstruct that when you have an opportunity to be in relation with somebody that they energize you when you're around and that they are their duty to you and your duty to them is to feed and nourish the best parts of one another, right? These are the people that bring out the best in you. And sometimes they do it in fucked up ways, but they bring out the best in you. Sometimes they bring out the part of you that needs to stand in your sovereignty and defend yourself. Sometimes they're the person that comes into your life that you immediately go, oh, when this person is around, it's about me remembering to hold my boundaries. Thank you, friend. Mm-hmm. for reminding me that I'm not holding a boundary. And sometimes it's about when this person is around, it's about them reminding me that I need to listen to the wiser part of myself. Like they are the people that are the most helpful and it's not always in the easy way. Nope. Um, but, but can we recognize that? I mean, we all come from our own egocentric self of how it's affecting you in the moment and what my feelings are. And feelings are super valid, but they are not a, a forever thing, mm. you know? Like, I think our what where we miss the connective points is because we have suppressed our intuition to such a degree that we're numb. You guys, when somebody offers you the secret handshake, take the secret handshake. Yeah, even if you don't know where it's going. Right? <laughs> Those are the people, like, you meet them and you feel like... It's us against the world, right? You are in a secret society when you are with your with your soul pod because you guys know stuff about each other that you should know. Like you think about them and they call. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. Or I I my teacher uh, calls that being in the current, and you know that. And then other other mentors that I've had where we talk about synchronicity, that's how you know. I think that you're in the zone Yep, is when that happens. And that's about creating your own reality. That's like being your own best DJ and mixing your favorite (laughs) tunes the the way you like it. Right? (laughs) That's magic. Really? At the foot core of everything, that's magic. I get, I get synchronicities pile up around me when I am in proximity. I may not even know who the person is yet. Right, but but synchronicities start popping up, and then we meet each other, and we start comparing notes, and it becomes obvious. And sometimes it's like flashbacks to maybe like past life experiences. Deja vu stuff is so strong. Oh my God, I had this thing happen. Oh yeah, me too. I'm not. I maybe it was a dream. Maybe it wasn't. It's there's a connection there that's undeniable and it's uncanny. Like you can't dismiss it. You can't be like, oh, that's just coincidence because there are too many coincidences. And what I've found when I finally intersect with these people is whatever method it was that we finally made that connection, that's what the synchronicities tend to pile up around. So like if it was because we were grooving on music together, we start hearing the same songs on the radio. Mm -hmm. Um, If it was uh, something physical, like say that you do meet somebody that you have a romantic physical connection to like you may find that like 
the doorways to your sexual expression get thrown open and there are whole new possibilities that you hadn't even considered but you just met this person 30 seconds ago and something has happened to realign your sacral chakra in a way that has never flowed before or something has happened with your heart chakra that has never happened before i've met soulmates and physically felt my entire energetic body unwind like a spring uncoiling that's fantastic and terrifying well and i think a caution is a very good thing to engage with as your intuition tells you hey this is a significant connection and then you have a vetting process to be able to to determine if this is a choice you want to make because i think that's what sovereignty is mm -hmm. it's about management of energy and boundaries and understanding but and to to embrace something with a fuck yes as opposed to like a fearful eh, yeah maybe but not every soulmate that you come with is it's not all roses and candy like a lot of it can be like freaking horrific yeah sometimes what binds us together like and it'll get into like multiple universe stuff okay but sometimes what binds us together we want to think that it's love or that it's it's attraction it's yeah, or... sometimes it's like murder and death you know like... sometimes you made a pro <laughs> you you had a relationship with them in which you owe you owe your yep. ledger is red like <laughs> like the black widows and you must clear your ledger yeah <laughs> Uh, so like four lifetimes ago, you killed me and now you owe me. Yep. And so now this lifetime, you're my very best friend and like you've got my back. And so that's like things are getting rebalanced. Um, and then I think the concept of like the soul pot is that um, we all have different roles. Mm -hmm. And so like I, I have been sort of like writing down like as I've been meeting people that I've been traveling with, I'm able to kind of identify some specialties, mm -hmm. um, some archetypes that are appearing in, in that soul pod. And like, you usually have somebody who shows up who's like the commander or the general. Gee, I wonder who that is. <laughs> um, you have somebody who shows up. I heard she's just a heinous taskmaster. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's somebody who shows up who's the visionary. So they're like the, the dreamer who spits out the ideas, who's the innovator, the problem solver. There's somebody who's normally the mouthpiece. That's the person who gets out and does the speaking and um, engages with the community and tries to get people rolling rolling forward to stuff. You have the scholar, you have the person who's collecting the data and amassing the library, right? You have the um, XO who's executing logistics. Yeah. And, yeah. You've got a warrior who's like the first one to throw up, throw hands if that's what needs to go down, right? You have a creative who's like coming up with like this is how we're going to express this to the world because it has to go out in a different way because we've tried it other ways before and it didn't work and somehow they have access to that knowledge it's insane and then you've got like the nurturer who's just there like i'm just going to take care of everybody right i'm going to bind their wounds and i'm going to kiss their boo-boos and i'm going to tell them they're beautiful because i'm the fucking cheerleader and those are just some of the people that are like running in my pod right now i know who they are um, and I know what their job is, but I can't tell you what mine is. Like there are aspects of all of those things when I look at myself, but I'm sure that there's one thing that's my prime directive. Mm -hmm. um, and I may need somebody from the pod to be like, Hey dummy, you're the nurturer. Give me a bandaid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is like, it, it is, it seems complex, but at the same time, you know, archetypal 
archetypal roles are what they are for the the survival of the pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've known this. We've known it's it's ancient knowledge that we've totally carried. ancient knowledge. And, knowledge. And we see it like reflected in our plays and our television shows and our movies and our books. Um, so here's Dana and I both have a sh- like a shared love of Shakespeare. I would say it's more like an obsession, but it's an obsessive love. I mean, I have a tattoo. Um, <laughs> but when I when I think about the Bard, I was like, oh, here was a transmission that we got, and it's if you're a theater person, you're going to know exactly what I'm going to say. All the world's a stage. And all the men and women, merely players, they have their exits and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts. Your time is not one lifetime. Your time is eternity. Yep. And sometimes you'll remember all the roles that you played and you can recount them. And sometimes you're, you totally forget. And I think that shifts experience at meet suit expression to meet suit expression parallel universe to parallel universe timeline so and again nothing we can prove but everything we hope is true yeah yeah we we hope we we need we need to believe that it's true right and then we have discussions about like uh, the fates and the norns and the people that weave the strings and stuff and are they are they directing and we're just players on the stage playing those parts. Do we have free will? Is free will an illusion? Is free will not as free as we think it is? Like these are the thoughts that keep me awake at night, kids. Like the Wachowski brothers when the Matrix came out, everybody was out enjoying this action movie, and for me, it was my nightmare on yeah. screen. Yeah. Like, oh my god, none of this is real, and none of these choices even matter. Right. Um, and I hope that that's not true. Um, I'm hoping rather like the the sensate version that the Wachowskis put out is more a reflection of what is. Well, true. and then you look at Cloud Atlas too. Like I'm convinced that this these the these two humans that were born into the same blood family, and the mm-hmm. the creatives that they have surrounded themselves or drew to themselves or be a part of have an absolute finger on the pulse of the cosmos because the literature. And the imagery that they're pooping out. And don't even talk to me about that they ripped off the Matrix from blah, blah, blah. All stories come from everywhere. So, mm-hmm. like, just like all music. There's no original music. We're just regurgitating it over and over and over. But in 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 comparison to when you look at something like Sappho and Homer writing this epic poetry, the edict sagas of the, of mm-hmm. the Germanics, like these thematic archetypal stories, the Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, like all of these things are the same stories. These are just small examples of stories that I know there's a bunch in the East and a bunch all over the place that they're the same archetypal stories told over and over and over and over and over. And they're even written in the cosmos. Yep. Quite honestly, the celestial stars that we have been reading since we could look up have this story in them. Yep. Balder and the, you know, Inanna in the underworld, Jesus and his walk and, and resurrection. Like all of these stories have been told over and over and over and over because A, we either really fucking love this Hallmark channel that we're watching in the cosmos <laughs> and we want the formulaic thing because it's safe and comfortable or this is just the nature 
of the you know the big picture yeah this is right? the program that that runs this this is what we're trying to figure this is what we're here to experience right when i w- was in seattle working with tom uh kenyon on my sonic stuff he his uh stepdaughter uh is that what you would call it because it mm-hmm. wasn't his it's it's judy's judy's daughter so jennifer posada who's a wonderful sound healer and a wonderful poet and uh teacher she wrote a book about the Oracle um, experience. And she was born with memories back to like, you know, Delphi. Well, that's a long way. Because what she, and what, <laughs> the way she described it to us was, we are in the time of the great remembering. And that there was a time that we were in the great forgetting. Um, and And so as we're emerging this time of remembering, like, all the things that we knew as common knowledge as humans mm-hmm. being was like lost to us. So we're in a third, we're in an, another uptick cycle of remembering technologies, remembering our relationships with our star. Yeah. We have you to know? be careful because we're, I think we're in a, in a position where the pendulum could slide either direction. Yeah either into another age of enlightenment or into another dark age. And guys, I do not want to go through another dark age. That shit was awful. If you think that I'm going to be happy in any way about pooping in a bucket again or a hole in the crown, you got another thing coming. I just don't want to, I don't want to be there for that. I'm out. It is important that we stick together. Those of us who are striving toward the age of enlightenment that we stick together, that we stand up for the rights of those who are not able to stand up for themselves, that we speak for those who have not the ability to speak for themselves. It is important that when we see the rights and dignity of other people being stripped away, or other creatures, that we raise hell because it is going to take all of us to turn the wheel, to turn the lights on. Mm-hmm. It only takes a handful to turn the lights off. Right. So it's it's important. Like it, it, there has never been a time where it has been more critical for for us to understand that standing up for women and feminism is not a dirty word. That women walking into this world and being powerful and saying no, I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to have my body governed. I'm not going to be sold off like a piece of livestock. I'm not going to have anybody dictate to me the terms of my life that we need to applaud those women and we need to hold them up as an example rather than vilify them and demonize them because that shit has to stop. Otherwise we are going back to the burning times Mm -hmm. and it just, it can't happen. Like we need to resonate higher. And I think like connecting with and being open to your soul pod finding you Mm -hmm is a is a big step you know um we i don't believe humans being is meant to be in a vacuum no i don't think that we're built to thrive with that not just from the point of let's fucking make babies like that's no 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 no, this is different this is like i totally get the isolatory want to be the witch in the in the on the edge of the village and people come to you when they when they need something until they decide to burn you mm-hmm. you know um because they will decide to do that eventually 
just doesn't matter how much you've helped them. That's just history. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, but I think this technology that we have is amazing. And it certainly helps the conductivity factor, but then it also is creating a shit ton of data we have to sift through. Um, I just saw a meme right before we did this show where this dude's like Instagram and your real life. And he's like looking, he's like in a plane and there's the engine that he's sitting next to the wing and he's looking out the portcullis like, oh, I'm on a trip. But then you zoom back and he's holding up a toilet lid cover in front of his laptop and making it look like he's on a plane. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's the epitome of the interwebs right now. Like, it's scary because it, we all want to fake it till we make it because we think that's what we have to do or we do that to convince ourselves. Because quite honestly, another form of glamour magic, mm. glamour magic is to fake it till you make it. Because it's, it's a part of a mindset to say, I'm just going to be that this is what my life is because eventually it will become that because I've put enough energy into it. Well, you know, Maybe. You, you get to create your reality. Right. And, and that's, that's a, the next thing that we're going to talk about, right? Um my thing is like you have to have discernment you have to exercise discernment and you have to carefully curate and edit the people and things that you keep around you and if somebody is not genuine and if they are false and if it is all facade why waste any time or energy on that i'm just not in that place in my life anymore i'm not interested in nonsense i'm interested in genuine content give me the real don't waste my time with small talk. We all know the weather's shitty. Right. But I think in the bigger, when we look at for the bigger context where we're talking about multiverses or, or parallel timelines and soul pods, like if, okay, this is about to go into like conspiratorial woo-woo shit. So buckle up. Ride. Write it out with me. Tell me I'm a whack job if you want to later. I don't give a fuck, but you can do what you want. But I'm just warning. So if we have free will, like we assume it to be in the definition of I do what I want. And I have my consequences and of my actions. And whether you decide at the end of your expression here in a meat suit, you're going to be judged for that. That's your jam whatevs. Um, I personally have a belief system that says we will be able to review it and say, oh, I probably could have done that better. But the judgment is our own self as opposed to something outside of us going, you are a bad girl. Like I, that's just not the world I live in. But that aside where we have this definition of free will and we are rolling around with our soul pod peeps that we are hopefully acute enough and skilled enough to see and capture them into our, I don't mean like capture, like, hey, I caught one. It's like a Pokemon No, you're not Pokemon. <laughs> Put your friend down. Put your friend down. <laughs> but she's so squishy and huggy. It looks like a mushroom with face. Uh, but it's this, so we, so all the things that we've talked about so far, we've accepted. Uh, we have our soul pod. We're running around on mission. And then we, we talk about like the fates and the norns and who's in charge of manifest destiny, what can be changed. And then when we look at a applied technology and the matrix and all the things we talked about, if we believe all that to be true, can it also then 
be hijacked and used against us. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, I, I call them the controllers. Um, and the controllers are controlling what kind of information we have access to, what kind of energy we have access to. They are controlling us with um, ideas about abundance and wealth and money. They are controlling us with ideas about bodily autonomy um, and what we can and can't do with one another, what relationships should and should not be. Like, yeah, there's a controller class out there that has some sort of vested interest in keeping a majority of the people in the dark. I also have peeps in my world. I'm not necessarily sure where I'm at with this concept. Uh, and again, this is just a little tiny bit of it. You'd have to research on the interwebs what I'm talking about. But the idea that reincarnation or this idea of, of multiple lifetimes is a, a, like a trap. Mm. Like we are stuck re, reintegrating ourselves in a reincarnation loop here on this prison planet and that when we have the opportunity to go to the light that that's actually like a big bug zapper <laughs> and we keep recycling ourselves because we're actually trapped and we can't get off this planet so you think the light is the final exit i don't know like i mm. like that that was that's this, this concept that was thrown at me by a couple of people from different directions and i'm a big ruler of three so if uh as a, a big, huge fly goes right by my face. Bizarre. Uh, if you present it to me, if it's presented to me once, I go, hmm. Twice, I'm like curious and I'll cock my head. And then the third time it comes, I go, okay, the universe is talking to me. I need to look at this. So it presented itself in three. And so therefore I was like, okay, I don't want to look at that because it makes me very uncomfortable. And I'm not quite sure how to un, how I would unravel my mm, you know, we get reincarnated mm -hmm. to experience different aspects of life, different roles, different archetypes. Or is it a trap? Or is it a perversion of that system that has been made to look like and we're in that loop? I don't know. Well, okay, so there are so many thoughts in my head about this right now. I am of a mind that we are the architects of our own reality, that the things that you believe are the things that you manifest into being and whether or not those are limiting beliefs and patterns that's those are choices you're making whether or not you want to recycle recreate um, or re-experience those things or keep repeating those things is really up to you you're making that choice i think that we are all fragments of the energetic body of the source or god or whatever you want to call it and what we're doing is that we are constantly on a quest for reunification. That's why we keep seeking out one another. We keep connecting to one another. And sometimes we choose to honor those connections. And I think that brings us closer to the truth of whatever that universal consciousness and body is. I think, however, that because we are energy bodies, that there are some consciousnesses that are interested in collecting the energy from these energy bodies like the creepy robots from the matrix mm -hmm. that they are trying to harness these energies and the way that they do that is by keeping us bound in a like a, a loop of like chasing the stuff that we're never going to get so back to the Warskowskis where it's like the matrix was that we're batteries yep 
So then the question is, is like, well, do we look at our pop culture as like, this is a, hey, knock, knock, Putin head. Because then you look at Cloud Atlas, which is a totally difficult concept because it's not, that's about the multiple realities and multiple lifetimes mm-hmm. and parallel universes. And then you have Sensate, which is about an evolution of a new type of human being mm-hmm. and how the pods can connect in such ways in that they can transmute their skill set through the meat suit connection even when they're not in the same place and right. they're on opposite sides of the planet from each other. I don't know. There's so much, you know, like the human mind ponders so many things and there are so many different philosophies. Um, you know, the Taoist with everything is nothing and nothing is everything. That will do your head in if you spend too much time <laughs> turning no that one over and over. Um, there's like an idealist absolute philosophy, which is, you know, the sum of all being, which is all things actual and potential, right? Um, which is, I think personally, like where my ideas are is that, you know, there is everything is happening simultaneously all at one time. There is no past and there is no future. Everything is present. Yeah. And we're just living in a big hologram of timey-wimey goodness. Right. And it's just all happening right now, which is why synchronicities abound is when you start to lift that veil um, they, they start to reveal themselves to you. Um, I see a whole lot of shadow people, which used to scare the shit out of me, but I think it's just my ability to see multiple timelines and realities at the same time is opening up. Or I'm going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, quantum-based consciousness is, it's a lot. I mean, I joke and call myself a time traveler, but it's not really a joke. Um, I see, hear, feel, and know things that I should not. I remember experiences and I foresee experiences that I should not be able to if we were living in linear time. Well, I, I really am looking forward to the, to the, no pun intended, time in humans' experience currently where we understand that the linear time thing is just a big bunch of crap. Yeah, it's, it's not real. It's another illusion. It's another trap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, if we were to all realize that and come to that same belief, I think that is when the age shifts. Is that enough of us believe and hold this to be true so that it becomes true? There is a theory on our, uh, our favorite TV show, Supernatural, that if enough people believe in a cryptid, that it manifests into being, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if enough of us believe in a thought form or an ideal, that it manifests into being. So perhaps if we take like the poverty myth, which it is a myth, if we were to all stop believing in scarcity, would scarcity cease to be an issue? That's a lot. It is a lot because it also puts the responsibility of changing the things that that bring you pain or bring you suffering. It puts the onus on you to shift your mindset to change it. Now, that's mindset pro you know programming is the you know the big hmm. thing right now. I mean, Tony Robinson, like uh, you know Buckmeister Fuller, uh, Warren. Buffett, like all these people that, you know, Napoleon Hill observed all these people Mm -hmm. and wrote about it back in the Rockefeller era and said, hey, if you want to have 
like people in that world do not consider poverty an option right and so therefore it isn't now whether or not you're like oh there are reptilian alien overlords and they've been taken over by the dark cats or whatever your thing is (laughs) like that's totally your right to think that but you know in studying what makes a person quote unquote fiscally energetically love successful i mean the interwebs are filled with ads for people shilling that their version of how to do that mindset practice is the way to go and give them money to to learn it and that's all fine and well and good but that's only a fraction of what's available oh sure you know as far as like programming your own reality that's really like we limit ourselves. Absolutely. But see, that's going back to that whole thing when we talked about people not finding their soul pod people. Because either they're maybe, and I'm I'm making a whole bunch of assumptions here, so don't get in my face about like, rah, rah, I'm, you know. Yeah, come get in her face. I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, write us an angry letter. Okay. <laughs> it is that everybody has, like, it's, I believe it's written in the fabric of existence. That these relationships are there for you. Mm -hmm. Whether you choose to access them is totally your choice. But don't lie to me or get in my face and tell me that you don't have a choice in the matter because you do. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you define this. You make these choices. If you want to live in a world, uh, some dystopian thing where like the Hunger Games is real, that's what you're you're going to live in because that's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to seek out. That's what you're going to confirm. If you want to live in a world where magic is real and love is plentiful and there's more than enough for anybody, that's what's going to happen. That's what you're going to seek out. That's what you're going to make. That's what you're going to focus your efforts and your energy on is making that reality. The problem is, is that we are so limited because everything goes through a filter of our experiences. And my life is not yet long enough for me to have had enough experiences for me to expand that reality to a place where I need it to be. So where do you find those experiences? Well, and I think that's the hardest part because, you know, as much as I say, you know, don't lie to me and don't lie to yourself because I, we are all tr- struggling to wake up because people are leaving in droves. Animals are leaving in droves. They're tipping. Mm. We all feel a tipping point. You know, a friend of mine just last night, he goes, do you feel this pressure building? And I'm like, what did... What did you come across that asked you to prompt this question out of nowhere? We just talked two hours ago. And he was just like, I like I can feel something about to pop. Mm-hmm. And that is happening at a collective consciousness level all over the place. And some people are choosing, you know what? I don't want to deal with this and I'm out. And bless them. I totally get it. And some people are digging in deep and they're like, let's fight. And a lot of people are just numb. Because we, cause on top of it, when we talk about the woo-woo conspiracy aspect... Of it, it's like if we are indeed having our our storyline being fucked with mm-hmm. by the by what you call the controllers, we also have that to contend with, and and so it's about how are you supposed to not drive yourself insane by going okay? Uh, they said okay, the girls said we can mix our own reality. Okay, what does that mean? How do I do that? You know, and then I'm trying to do that, and then the the controllers come in and start fucking with my shit. And so how do I know that I can fight them? Or how do I fight them? Or I don't even know who they are. Like So there's all this complexity to just navigating this experience. And 
there seems to be tools lying around. We mm-hmm. hope that we can help point people to tools, but we're just two bitches in a dining room having a conversation. <laughs> like <laughs> Some people are going to look at maybe if they ever stumble upon this and go, oh, these girls need a psych ward. And then, you know what? Fine. If that's what we need, then we can still talk over there. That, you so, know, but that's your reality. And my reality, I don't need a psych ward. Y'all need to be woken up. And here's the thing. Like, how do you expand your reality? How do you... Make it so that you have the ability to think bigger, to dream bigger. And that's the biggest tragedy. Well, first thing is like shut off anything that tells you that you can't. Right. When I move through the world and have my conversations with my cab drivers or people in the elevator, because I'm a provocateur. And so I will, you talk to me about the weather. I will literally look at you and and look at you and say, are you seriously fucking talking about the weather right now? And then I'll throw some hammer down thing like, how are you feeling about your life right now? Are you happy? <laughs> are you doing what you were meant to do? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? If you could do... My biggest question I always ask people in the cab is, if you could wake up tomorrow and you didn't have to worry about money, you didn't have to worry about food or shelter or anything, and you could just wake up in the morning and could do any absolute thing you wanted, what would you do? And 90% of the time, and I'm not exaggerating that percentage, I am told, what's the point? It's not going to happen anyway. And then I get into this conversation. I'm like, you realize that in order for it to happen, you have to think it. In order for it to happen, you have to believe it's possible. Why would you not think it's possible? And they're like, well, what would you do? I said, where do I start? And then I just throw off this stuff of like I would do. And then this and then this and then this. And then I have lunch. And then, you know, it's like I used to have that quote from uh, Alice in Wonderland from... uh, Along the lines of, I, I imagine, uh, you know, 10 things before breakfast mm-hmm. that are possible. At least you, 10 impossible things. 10 impossible things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's true. And that's kind of how, if I can make 80% of what I think is possible into an actionable thing, then I feel successful. But most of the time, it's about 50%. And that bums me out. But then I think how that's still 50% more than a lot of people I encounter because they're not even putting it out there. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, like I get it. Resources, yada, yada, yada. But the, and I don't mean to discount that. Like there's a lot of people struggling out there and I totally get it. But like, again, in the like mixing of your own reality and the things I'm learning about practicing formalized magic, which I am woefully drowning in the holy crap, this is freaking crazy hard, you know, mm. but it can be done. In, and it's just a matter of your desire right. to implement and and enact the formula. Well, and here's the thing. like, Pay attention to what your dreams are telling you. Because I believe that your dreams is like, that's your subconscious's way of like bridging the gap between you and, and the divine, right? So if you pay attention to what your dreams are telling you, just like write the shit down that you're dreaming, no matter what it is, whether it's you go to bed at night and you have a dream, you're sitting in traffic and you're daydreaming, you're um, in a meeting at work and, and you're thinking about something else, like that's your subconscious talking to you and your subconscious does not understand boundaries. Well, and sometimes I know for me, my dreams, I think I'm checking out other parallel lives that I'm of a part of me is is experiencing in my sleeping time here 
I'm tapping into another thing there or other places. And you need to like pay attention. Like what's going on there? Like what are you seeing there? If you're having dreams that you can fly, the only reason you can't is because you've told yourself that you're not allowed. You can fly. Now maybe you're not going to turn into a bird or Superman, but it does mean that there is an element of freedom that is not within your belief system right now. Right? So flight, flight is like the ultimate ability to, to be free. So if you're having dreams about flying, where are you trapped? What's holding you back? You need to fly. So I know we didn't set up any kind of like divination stuff for the end of the show today, but I, I had, I'm being prompted to tell, I have to tell this dream and I don't know if this is for me or for somebody else out there that is being prompted. So having been a lucid dreamer most of my life, I pay attention to dreams, but ever since I had my cancer low iron thing, it's very difficult for me to recall my dreams. Like I used to be able to recall them and remember them forever. And this one is sticking with me to the point where I've told it twice and now it's poking at me. So in this dream, I was going to be performing with a group of people. We were in these kind of like military costumes, but we were doing a reenactment on an anniversary day in a city at a stage outside, like in a uh, street dance kind of thing. But it was in a major downtown metropolitan area. And I kind of stepped into the lifetime or the dream and was like, my lucid self was like, okay, I don't know what the significance of this day is, but the, the being that I am in this experience knows what it means. So I was just kind of riding along, watching and, and inside, squatting inside myself. And it turns out that in this particular experience of 9-11, mm. we were in New York City. They had closed off a part of the street to set up this stage and they were sharing a reenactment anniversary of this concert that we were doing on 9-11 originally in which buildings that were not the Twin Towers but some of the sub sub buildings that fell after the debris fell down the road up until just could have crushed the stage but it like 500 feet from the stage was the last of the big huge chunks of rubble that were falling from the sky and so this was a reenactment of this concert and there were all these people that were like super fan people of like oh we get to do it so they were there for the rehearsal and we're moving on the stage and i'm plugging in mic cords and making sure everything's there and for some reason i was in charge of this live sheep this live you or something that was on the stage and was supposed to play a significant role in the performance because it wasn't like a reenactment of Christ's birth at Christmas time or anything like that. It was like a musical theatery kind of experience. And then the the people that were waiting and watching our rehearsal started um, throwing origami like little tiny origami things at us and I could feel the sting of the corners of the origami hitting my skin but the origami was money they had folded up money and made into these little origami and there was this river of money that was like being flicked at us in a somewhat viscous but not wet material and I had to like throw my left arm up to protect my eyes from getting all these little corners 
thrown at me and they were like lobbing it at us like you would lob flowers at somebody on stage at a rock concert, you know? They're like, oh my God. And they were screaming like little, you know, teeny bopper girls. And they were actually going to be dropping rubble from helicopters to reenact the drama of the buildings falling on us. And I know my lucid dreamer self was sitting inside this going, what the fuck is this all about? And then I woke up. And I'm like, and what was the sheep all about? And so I started telling myself out loud so I would remember the dream. Like, is that meaning that I'm going to be, I need to be open to receiving money, but it's going to sting a little bit? Or like, it was just strange. And then the whole reenactment aspect of this 9-11 business, it was bizarre. Weird. So maybe that wasn't for me. Maybe someone will hear this, you know, and go, oh, that I I was there. Oh, oh. Oh, it's, she's it's, having it. Oh, it's money through tragedy. Oh, that sucks. I don't like that message. Um, so we're gonna lighten that up. <laughs> Light that message. Send it back. I yeah. mean, that's your. That's an interpretation of it. I, yeah, who knows yeah, what yeah. it is? Vagina. Vagina. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say vagina last week. So random, arbitrary vagina. Oh no, and that 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 was my interpretation. I I, I don't know. Um, and I'm getting weird mixed messages that I haven't figured out yet. So maybe I'll come back to that next week. Um. I don't, I don't really, but I felt like I was, it wasn't just me. I was with a group of people. Yeah. We were in like paramilitary black, really like I was kind of skinny. So I was like looking at myself going, damn, I look good, you know? Um, but we were all in this, like, we're going to put a pen in that and come back to why you were kind of skinny and you thought that made you look good. We're I back knew to that. that. No, it's just, just because it was a different form of me. Different body. Different body. Um, but because they were very, very tight-fitting black military costumes without all the, like, tchotchke on it, okay. you know? So very SWAT team So very SWAT teamy, and but yet everybody on the stage was going to be wearing them like we were, which to me in my performance brain goes, what kind of a performance would it be? So it was like, was were we living in a fascist government yeah. expression? Like, it was just, and the people that were there watching our rehearsal were incredibly excited. The, like it was like a Beatles esque kind of flavor of the screamy screaminess, and it was just weird. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. I don't know. Um, I'm just I'm just hoping that uh, the, that the money that's coming is is not coming in a painful way. And it wasn't painful like it was slicing me open. It, it was, was just irritating. It was like ir- not irritating. It was just like I what I thought was really interesting as a lucid dreamer is. You know, I can see and feel and, and do all kinds of stuff, but very rarely do I actually come away with, like, the tactile, physical contact. Oh, maybe it means that um, fortune is coming and you're going to be aware of where yeah, it's Yeah, I mean, because it was like, it, it's like, you know when you used to make those folded up footballs oh, out of man, paper and then you'd that. flick those with your, like that, when you flick and get hit with, like, the corner, like, that's what it felt, but, like, there were, like, thousands and thousands of them happening. And I remember thinking... That's a lot of work to fold this up into origami, yeah. but I can see where you would because it would get way distant <laughs> if you're flicking it from a long. Is this going to fly? Because it has some gravitas to it, as opposed to just trying. To, have you ever tried to throw a, a dollar bill? Yeah, no, you so just good. can't do it. So, so I don't know. It was, but it, it was just the sheep, the paramilitariness, the fact that they were going to be dropping rubble on us to reenact what really, you know, like what happened. And that I was plugging in microphones and I didn't understand where the sheep came into play. And then we were getting pelted with money. So I was just with the crazy <laughs> rabbitism. Like, I I know that there's symbolism in there somewhere because they, they wanted me to remember it, mm-hmm. whoever they are. But uh, yeah, anyway. So, ta-da! 
Dana's yeah. weird dream. Welcome. Yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll chew on that for a while. And uh, <laughs> you know, I guess the moral of the story is um, pay attention to the the symbols. I think we talked about this in the last episode. You know, signs, symbols, and all of that. You need to be open to it, and you need to keep track of it because sometimes they don't make any sense when they first start coming in, but then they start to build up and it's like you're getting to see a Bob Ross painting start to unfold. Like Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know that that's going to be a mountain range with a lake and a cabin on it until suddenly it is. So because Bob Ross is Bob Ross. Yeah. So, you know, circling back through our show today, we, we talked about, you know, this, how do we get in touch with our soul pod? If you're not already aware of those people. And it's also like, don't like, I think going on a seek and destroy kind of mission to be like, I must find them. Yeah. Like it, 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 the spice will flow. Yeah. It happens when it's supposed to happen. Right. Um, we show up in one another's lives when we're supposed to be there. And sometimes we drift out when we're not needed. And, um, sometimes it happens once in a lifetime with someone. Sometimes it happens over and over again. And, you know, the the way that it happens and when it happens is not nearly as important as why it happens. Well, and I think, too, the key when we talk about, you know, as we've mentioned in the past, this dissemination of data and the discernment and vetting factor, can you be aware enough to know when those opportunities are presenting themselves so that they're clear and make sure your intuition is not constipated right and that you can can feel those Mm -hmm. things and some of that may start simply in this like finding the right lipstick Mm -hmm. and knowing how to give yourself that self-care because that's the starting point of rotorootering your system to be open to these coincidence these synchronicities and opportunities that present themselves with being with the people when you're supposed to be with the people to do the thing that you're supposed to do that you don't necessarily know what it is but your dreams have been trying to tell you hey it's about sheep and (laughs) you know like all of these clues like you're in the biggest sim that ever was well you know and if you are going to change the world you have to be out in the world it's not uh the audience participation is going to be required, I'm afraid. And it's it's scary to put yourself out there and to be present and to be seen. But we are not here to fade into the background. Nor are we here to pay bills and just have babies. Yeah. Like I think I said before, like you're, you're not here to chase coins and die. That's Mario. And um, you're mm-hmm. not a Nintendo character. You are a piece of something divine and perfect and you have so much potential to make so much beautiful change in the world but it has to start with you and i think i came across a a beautiful photograph meme thing the other day um that summed a lot up is that sometimes when we're busy creating our own starlight shine we think that's for us and sometimes it's that we're being illuminated in the firmament to lead the way for somebody else right not everything is about you and if we go back to the concept that you know our lives are is it's psychodrama playing itself out it is all happening again right um 
sometimes your part may not seem as important as it is to you. Like it may seem to you like all I did today was I, you know, I went to the drugstore and I picked up, you know, some candy and I smiled at, at a stranger and, and it seems like it's benign and it's not important, but you don't know what ripples are emanating from your energy signature just going through that time and that place. You don't even have to have had an interaction with that person. Your energy is resonating and they walk through it and something changes in their life dramatically. Mm -hmm. You have to be out in the world. It's important. And it's also not important that you worry mm -mm. about the effect you're having on anyone. Nobody can do that math. Don't, no, don't, don't bother. Go, don't go down that road. <laughs> Trust me, friends. It will it will lead to craziness and not in a good way. Because and and that's the thing. Like for me, I always felt that I needed to sing from when I was a little girl mm -hmm. because I was going to somehow be a mouthpiece for something that it was bigger than me uh, that needed to come through and so I had this drive when I was little like I have to be famous I have to be famous mm. I have to be famous if I'm not famous I'm not staying on mission and I would sit in front of my vanity mirror playing my ABBA records on my Fisher Price orange and white LP player <laughs> singing thank you for the music at the top of my lungs um, because I was the girl with golden hair. Like, they wrote this song about me. <laughs> and as narcissistic and as egocentric as that sounds, it was not done in a way that I'm like, I need to be doing selfie queen shit. I was like, it is important that I be able to reach as many people as possible to get the message out. And mm -hmm. I didn't even know what the message was. And guess what, kids? I still fucking don't know. <laughs> it's you know? okay. Um, because... Sometimes I think the messages are secretly encoded and only the recipient is able to decode the message. That is true. And and you know what the hard part is, especially when you do oracle work, is you want to always be a part of the story. And sometimes you're just passing the message on so that they can go off and, you know, fight a battle and hope they win. Yeah, I think I think I may have spoken like like as a kid, I I wanted to tell stories. I um, I remember being in grade school and ending up in a storytelling competition and telling a story about a fable about how the camel got its hump. And I think I was nine or ten when I did that. And I was at like the state fair, like a state level competition doing that. And I remember looking out and seeing grown adult people absolutely enwrapped in what I was saying, like really listening really interested and I think I knew at that point like this is what I'm supposed to do I'm supposed to tell the stories so that's what I do I tell the stories and sometimes the stories get told to me sometimes they pop in my head sometimes the muse list like whispers in my ear or maybe I'm picking up something out of another timeline and I'm overhearing conversations or I'm eavesdropping or I'm just popping in like I may be a shadow person right now in somebody else's world, but I know that I'm supposed to tell the stories and that's fine. It doesn't seem like it's a big job, but it's, it's my job. 
And I think for me, the biggest thing I learned from being that little girl in the vanity mirror with this pressing feeling that I needed to have as many people as possible be able to hear what I uh, comes through me, I've realized at 50 that that audience is a lot smaller than my young girl brain understood because it is now a perspective I have where you don't have to reach a lot of people to get your message out because your message is out for the people that need to have it and that may be two people. And those may be two key pivotal people on their mission that then go out and solve world hunger or mm-hmm. help us, you know, turn the planet back around. Like we, you just never know what part you're doing. And so therefore following your bliss and, you know, doing the things that you know that you need to do, even if they seem whack to everybody around you, your soul pod is a part of you carrying that mission out. Yep. Do the thing. Make the mountain out of the mashed potatoes and just do the thing. Um, because your thing is important. It may not seem important. It may seem trivial. But just keep doing the thing. Yep. And, you know, in wrapping up today, I think I know for myself, I'm going to work on my glamour magic and uh, remembering that for me, I can't do the thing if I'm not taking care of myself properly. Right. And don't think that you have to do the thing alone. Mm-hmm. You are not alone. You are traveling with a bunch of other souls. And we are all trying to do our thing too. And if you're as blessed as I am in my life, you will have the skill set come upon you to recognize those souls as they cross your path. And you get to travel with them for as long as you do with as much joy and learning and love and humanity as possible because that's the best thing I could wish to anybody because I have that and it is the most glorious thing I could ever possibly imagine and then some. That's what I say to that. Honor your contracts, especially the ones that you made to yourself. Yep. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to uh, getting together with you next week to see what kind of weird woo happens on the spiritual frequency. Thank you.